0: Or you are stopped short in sobriety. How did it hit you this morning? How do these testimonies hit you this morning? How do you receive them? What if you're here and you're going, I didn't feel like clapping at the end of that because I was overwhelmed. Did I do something wrong? The enemy wants you to think you did something wrong. Why aren't you clapping? What if you're here and you're clapping and you're going, yes, and somebody's over there and they are just overwhelmed and they are humbled and they are in tears. Did I do something wrong? Don't listen to the accusation of the enemy. Listen to the spirit of God that leads you Because there are moments that are ripe for exuberance in your life. There are moments that are ripe for sobriety in our lives. Bow with me, Lord. I am tired of having preconceived notions of what it looks like to come to you. I am frustrated that our enemy accuses us even when we are coming before you in worship. Of course, Lord, we know. The Apostle Paul says do everything decently and in order, not chaotically. Setting that aside, Lord. The enemy wants to come to us so often and take something so that your Spirit is speaking to us and challenge that. So Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just you would speak more clearly to us the affirming word so that we could distinguish your affirmation against the accusation. Lord, I pray, and I just come to you right now, and I ask that today as I stand before this body of believers, Lord, uh, this, this beloved group, do we know that? Do we know that we are the beloved Of God the beloved of Jesus the enemy wants to accuse us on that too right oh God we are your beloved thank you for loving us be with me equip me to speak clearly the words that you have for me to speak to declare the message that you want me to proclaim Be with us as we receive the word. Lord, not only as we receive it in this moment, but be with us as we seek and strive to apply your word to our lives. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. My buddy, Rob, called me a couple weeks ago. Rob was my college roommate. Um, Rob was a pastor's kid as well. So Rob and I both got kicked out of Bible college together, (laughs) naturally. But uh, Rob and I um, were roommates for almost all, like what, 12 years that I was at Bible college. (laughs) <laughs> it's like I've pastored here for 12 years man I just barely beat my Bible college years I'm just joking I wasn't there that long but it was a long time Rob and I could not be more diff- different I am me and y'all know who I am and Rob could walk into a room and not talk to a soul and he would be fine uh, Rob liked to play, um, he liked to read fantasy novels and play World of Warcraft video games. And, uh, you know, I was not into those things. But Rob and I were like the odd couple. We just worked. And a dear friend of mine, thankful for him. A number of years ago, Rob's wife, was diagnosed with MS. And uh, and, and MS has these flare-ups, and and, um, it was a trying season for them. It uh, debilitated her in a lot of ways. They needed a lot of help. They had uh, young children in the home. Um, They needed uh, financial help. Actually, our church um, uh, took a, a love offering and gave it to them to help them uh, with some of their financial needs, uh, insurance being insurance, um, did not want to help out in a lot of ways. And So Rob um, has and his wife, Lindsay, have been dealing with this for a number of years. And um, Rob calls me a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, hey, I, I just need to talk to you. I need somebody to talk to. And Rob begins to tell me that in July... Lindsay started having um, some new symptoms arising uh extreme pain immobility and, and they have three young kids, and so for the next month or so um while she is writhing in pain and they're trying to get in to see a doctor and they're trying to get some help um, uh, they her mom's in helping with the house and with the kids and then his mom's in helping with the house and with the kids and and the pain is unbearable and it just won't stop and he tells me through tears that um in the middle of the night one moment he woke up to her sobbing praying god just let me die in my sleep They finally get in to see their doctor, and the doctor says, well, you have a very uh, bad flare-up now. It's no longer on your brain. It's on your spine. And if you know anything about MS, it's actually kind of, it sounds scarier to be on your brain, but, uh, but your brain can route around it. Uh, your spine, it begins to affect things like mobility and um, pain. And the doctor said, but I can't do any treatment because uh, your insurance won't approve it. The only way that insurance will approve it is if you go in through an emergency room. So they have to go in through an emergency room and it's at peak COVID, peak Delta variant explosion. So they're five hours in a waiting room while his wife is in debilitating pain. He has to rip off some caution tape off of a chair just to have her a place to sit down because they were doing the social distancing thing. You know, every other seat in the waiting room was taped off. And they get in and she's able to get a steroid treatment which caused the inflammation to go down and, and she was a, able to begin to do some physical therapy. She was a little better. She's not well, right? Right. Y'all understand, sometimes if you're in such pain, any relief will be welcome relief. While they're there in that hospital, a doctor comes in and a doctor is talking to them. He's a neurologist and he says, your doctor is a good doctor, but your doctor is not an MS specialist. And you need an MS specialist he says, here's the places that you can look. There's one in Dallas, there's one in Austin, there's one in Houston. They begin looking around. Dallas doesn't take, they live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They don't take their insurance for sure. That's not even going to be an option, but we'll put that on the back burner. They look at Target, Target one down in Austin, and uh, they... Um, begin to do the paperwork. In fact, he gets some of the paperwork that sh- that needs to be submitted, and she's going to submit it. And she just kinda doesn't want to do it because she's reading on message boards that hey, it's going to take like five to six months, and and then even then to possibly get a consultation, and then you get the consultation, then insurance doesn't approve it. And so she's like, I just don't know why I would even put in the paperwork. I don't know if I can live through the disappointment, through the anticipation and anxiety, and then ultimately to be disappointed. They work through it, and they talk through it, they pray through it, and he's like, we just need to put in the paperwork. She puts in the paperwork on a Thursday. They get a call over the weekend. This is late September now. By this time, they have a consultation set up for mid-October. It was like two weeks later. They're like, what in the world is going on? I should say at this point before I start moving any more forward, whenever he called me in the tone and tenor of his voice, I did not know if my friend was going to tell me that his wife had died or was about to die. And so I do not know where this story is going. They begin to see hope whenever they get the call over the weekend. They get the consultation a couple of weeks later. They go and they sit before a specialist, an MS specialist, who begins to talk to them about her medication and about the treatment and, uh, and, and old ways that they've treated MS and new ways that they're trying to treat MS. And, and have you researched some of the um, medications? And some of the medications have some, like, I mean, you've, you've heard the commercials where there's a laundry list of side effects, Right. And that's how it is with MS medication because it's a very hard medication on your body. So there's a lot of side effects and it's like, okay, well, what kind of side effects do you want to deal with? What are you willing to bear and endure so that you can try to get some, 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 some relief and, some, and, some, and some, some correction on some of these things? And if you know this MS, they don't have correctives totally for it. Usually it's just you're managing the damage. The damage is going to spread. Can we slow it down? So they determine a medication and they're like, all right, here's the medication. This is the one that we want. We already know that our insurance want to prove it. Now, this is not a story about how insurance is corrupt in our country, but we do see it, Right. So the doctor says, let me take care of it. He says, I'm going to submit it to insurance. They will reject it. And I will fight for you. So they see on the insurance portal, a few days later it's been it's been uh, the doctor has sent it up in. A few days later it's rejected. I might need to tell you something about this medication because if you go, well, okay, if it's worth it, you might just go forget insurance and go pay it out of pocket. She needs two treatments of this a year. One treatment and their infusions, $34,000, $68,000 a year. After the first rejection, uh, they're working with the doctors and working with his office, and they said, okay, hey, listen, reach out to the manufacturer, and the manufacturer sometimes will have these coupons that you can do. So if the insurance ultimately doesn't, um, doesn't approve it, you might be able to get like a coupon and, and that will go towards your medication. And they're like, okay, because you know, they want to help people on hard times. And so they get it, and they're like, this is awesome. We got it. And it's $20,000. And that's awesome. And that seems like a lot. But that leaves $48,000. So he picked up the phone and he called me that morning because he had to tell somebody the story. Because right before he called me, his wife called him. And she said, hey, I just got word that insurance has approved the medication. And Rob begins to tell me from that point forward how this terrible situation for his wife, MS moving from her brain to her spine, causing debilitating pain. Her not being able to be treated by her doctor in the doctor's office, them having to go into the emergency room, them meeting a new doctor. He said, this terrible situation has really worked out for the better. He said, we would have never left our other doctor because we were content with our other doctor. She was a good doctor and we had a good rapport with her and we've been with her for five years now and and we, we wouldn't have known to move on from our doctor had somebody not come and said, hey, your doctor's a good doctor, but your doctor's not a specialist, then you need a specialist. He said, the medication that she has just been approved for is a medication that she's wanted to be on for a long time, but the insurance wasn't going to approve it. And so we've tried, and we knew that it wasn't going to be possible. But here she is on the on the medication that she's researched and that she studied, and that she was she she was thinking this is the medication that I want. Now we're on that medication. Now I'm not here to tell you that everybody is going to experience the moment when insurance gets approved. We're not guaranteed that, are we? Hebrews 11 tells us, you know, some some endured the flaming fire thinking about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And how they went into the fiery furnace and they were not burned. Some escaped the flame. But others were torn asunder or cut asunder. Some were burned at stakes. Some were hung upside down on crosses. Some did not get the news that the insurance is approved. So I'm not here to spin some yarn and say all you have to do is this. Because we are not guaranteed things. But I am here to tell you my friend's testimony. And my friend's testimony is this. My friend's testimony is that that really hard season, that season where he's waking up in the middle of the night to his wife crying, saying, God, take me, season. Let me die season. Has brought them to a new season. As we were talking, he said... Man, I just don't know. I'm so foolish because in those times I had so much doubt and all that stuff that we do to beat up on ourselves. When we think, oh, I should have known it would have all worked out. Should you have? Should you have known that it would all work out? Because I turn on the news every night and I hear about the little girl who didn't get away. I hear about friends Family members who don't get off the ventilator. You know, as he was talking, I was like, what else would you think when you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're hearing your wife say, God, let me die. Is that the moment for you to go, It's all going to be all right, sweetheart. Don't you worry. Here's what I want to tell you today. Last week, I started thinking about or started leading us to thinking about how we can be prepared for the joy That is coming. And I know that we are to rejoice in all things. And I know that we read the Apostle Paul in Philippians. And we've talked about this at length a number of times. And we see him in prison. Writing a letter that is chock full of more joy. Per capita than the rest of scripture. And maybe excluding the Psalms. But what I have pastorally wanted you to know is I see in Philippians, Paul didn't automatically arrive at joy. And we see Paul working through some things in Philippians where he's like, hey, I know this is a really bad situation. Here's where my heart is right now. And for you to assess the situation and get to this place, the arguments that he gives leads us to understand what happens naturally. He had to process through this. With God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus as his example. He probably had to process it with brothers and sisters. He probably did some some, what are we going to do now, guys? But there is there's this other thing that Paul talks about in Romans chapter number 8. In Romans chapter number 8 he talks about how all of creation is groaning And we talked about this a few months ago, that all of creation is groaning. And what we know about this is the birth pains of creation, which is war, famine, plague, pestilence, those birth pains don't produce life. We got sick in my house some weeks ago. Had a stomach bug go through the house. Started with Seth, that Seth, always bringing terrible things into our house. Attitude number one, chief bad attitude in the Austin household, Seth Henry Austin. He's a dictator and we're scared of him. So we comply. What would you like, Master Seth? Then everybody gets knocked out. Poor little Akaya. Poor girl. I mean, Akaya is what, 90 pounds soaking wet? And this is graphic. So if you have a weak stomach, I'm sorry. And I won't be too graphic with it. But I do want y'all to know that girl dry heaved all day long. And y'all know that's a terrible feeling, that gut-wrenching. And nothing was being produced. And I only use a graphic image like that to remind us that that's kind of what creation is doing. See, violence is not going to beget life. No, no, no No matter what we say, war is never going to bring the new day. That's why Jesus doesn't go and lead a revolution against the Roman Empire or even against his own people, the Jews. He doesn't create a civil war and then go dominate the Roman Empire. But he humbles himself and he dies on the cross because he says the way to life is never by taking life, but by giving life. But Paul talks about all creation groaning, but he doesn't stop there. Verse twenty-two says, "We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now." Verse twenty-three says, "And it says, not only they, but also, but ourselves also, even we, which have the first fruits of the spirit." Paul had moments like you and I have. I don't see this death producing life. This thing that is intended for death cannot produce life. It doesn't make sense to me. This suffering, this sorrow, this pain, this anguish that I'm enduring, I don't have words for. Think about Job, the story of Job. Why is he suffering? Everybody wants to know, why is Job suffering? There's no answer for his suffering. Why does she have MS? There's no answer for the why she has MS. She has MS because we live in a world that is bent and distorted and out of sorts. And it's out of shape of the way that God intended it to be. And so creation doesn't only groan, but we do too. We who even have the spirit. Pay attention to those words. We have the spirit. And yes, that means we have the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. Where? Hunter. Hunter. He knows it. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch! But the spirit doesn't stop us from groaning. In fact, there's more. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, we're waiting for the adoption. This is a great picture of what Paul, Paul is full of metaphors, just like Jesus. Jesus is full of metaphors. Scripture full of metaphors. And Paul is always trying to use these different metaphors, and sometimes he uses them contextually so that people can wrap their minds and their hearts around what God has done for us. He says, we're waiting for the adoption. We're waiting for that day that, we, that we're all hoping for whenever God says, you are my beloved. We believe that we, we have this in, in our faith, that when we trust in Jesus Christ, we come to God and he sees us as his children. But on that day when Jesus returns, we will actually know because we will actually hear God say, my beloved in whom I'm pleased. He will say what he said to Jesus to you. Can you wrap your minds around that? You will no longer be an orphan child. You will be God's child. You will know it in full. We are awaiting that day that the adoption goes through. Have y'all ever had friends who have had children in their home that are not their own? We have some big old parties for some of our friends that have adopted babies. We're waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Key in on this, heaven is not where our souls go and we are playing harps. That might be the time after death before the resurrection, but resurrection means... What it meant for Jesus. That means we're getting new bodies. Because God did not give up on His creation. Whenever He said it was very good, it was very good. You and I trusted the deceit, the lie. You and I enact the violence, the hatred, the hostility. You and I pick and choose who we want to be nice to. You and I make those choices. You and I do those things that are not very good. But God hasn't said, I'm done with creation. He says, I'm going to restore creation. I'm going to remake creation. I'm going to renew creation. This thing that I started that was very good will be very good again. So our eternal destination is not a cloud and a harp and a halo. Our eternal destination is physical, earthy stuff. That's why you see in Revelation a new heavens and a new earth. That's why Jesus didn't come back as a ghost, as an apparition. That's why Jesus, whenever he came back, he said, give me some of that broiled fish, guys. I'm hungry. My belly's aching. That's why in the new creation, there's a table for us to sit at, for us to eat at. There is, a, there is a river that flows so that you and I can drink it. There is the tree of life that you and I can eat from. We're waiting for that day. We are saved by hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit, coming back to the Spirit, we who have the Spirit, we groan within ourselves. Yes, even we who have the Spirit. But guess what? The Spirit helps us in our infirmities. For in those moments, we don't even know what we should pray but the spirit makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. When you do not know where the road is going, and you're waking up in the middle of the night, to your wife begging God to take her because the pain is unbearable. And you gotta think about that. What mother would say, God, take me? Get the weight of that. I can't do this anymore. When you don't know, guess what? When you cannot utter the joy, 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 joy that's down in my heart. When you are groaning, the Spirit is groaning. When you can't articulate your grief, the Spirit articulates your grief. When you can't articulate your hope, the Spirit articulates your hope. When all you see is the cross before you and you cannot see the joy beyond that, the Spirit says, don't forget about the new day. Rob today can celebrate and look and go, Man, all of that terror led to a new day, and sometimes that is the case. I would say in the in 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 the grand scheme, like in the in the big picture, that's the case for all of us. Because all of this life is, as Job says, it's full of troubles and it's short. Jesus doesn't even deny that. Jesus says, hey, don't be anxious about today. Guess what? You have tomorrow and there's enough anxieties for, to, for that day. Doesn't that sound hopeful? Thank you, Jesus. Just so glad that you're preparing me for tomorrow's troubles. But the big story is that this is hard. This is trouble. This is full of terror, and pain, and fear. But this is not all that there is. So what Rob got to experience is not the thing that is promised to everybody in the here and now, but that's the big picture promise. And the big picture promise is that whatever and turns this life takes you when you trust in Jesus Christ that he is Lord and that he is the captain of salvation and that through him there is forgiveness of sins through him there is the gift of the spirit through him there is eternal life when you trust in this that, that his kingdom is now and it is to come when you trust in him then what you are placing your trust in is that he is here with you today but he is bringing a new day that you can't see fully So that's the big picture, but I can't promise you that you're all gonna have stories like Rob's where you find the right doctor who whispers the right things and you go to the right specialist and he fights on your behalf and your insurance company finally relents. But I can promise you this, whenever you wake up in the middle of the night and your wife is saying, God, I can't do it anymore. And you have no words for that. The Spirit of God has been given to you and intercedes for you. And I say all this today so that in those moments. When you're in that place and you have no words, you can trust that you can hand it off to the spirit. And guess what you will be doing if you do that? Faithful. You will be faithful in that moment. I say this because I think some of us think, no, the only way that I'll be faithful in that moment is if I can smile and tell everybody, we don't know where the road is taking us, but we know it's taking us somewhere good. What if it doesn't take you somewhere good? And you don't really know. Then what you can say is, we don't know and it pains us and it grieves us and we're scared. We're shaking in our boots. And I don't even have the words to describe all the fear, anxiety, hopelessness that I'm experiencing. But God's given me the Spirit. And I'm taking it to the Spirit and I'm asking the Spirit to go ahead of me. Not only will you be faithful, but this is what I hope that it does for you today. I hope that in those moments of terror, you can remember that the Spirit is interceding and the Spirit is groaning that which cannot be articulated. And in that moment, for that purpose, you can say, thank you, God. And that will be your source of joy. That will make you say, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Y'all ever heard Page CXVI's version of that they play it in a minor chord and if you know anything about music which i don't but i've heard some things that is that's giving some insight this song of joy can be sung in the minor Our faith calls us to rely upon God. We trust that he gave us his son, Jesus, and that his son, Jesus gave us his life and that his son, Jesus is reigning and that his son, Jesus has given us the spirit. What we trust is that God knows that you and I get scared, anxious, afraid, hopeless at times. And the test is not if we can lie about that or run from that. But the test is, will we receive his spirit in those moments? Will we rely on the grace, the gift of his spirit And here's one last thing I want to say. Relying on his spirit not only gets us to this place where we can go, thank you, because I don't know what to do here, God. But relying on his spirit will also give us the strength whenever we are, when we are up against it, To still live like Christ lived. To still be patient with people and not say, Don't you know what my wife's going through? <coughs> Did I scare you? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Shayla, what? <laughs> <laughs> to be patient even though we are going through hell. To not excuse impatience. The Spirit will give us the strength. Not to grin and bear it, but to open your heart to somebody else's hurt when you are hurting. To open your table to somebody who needs a table when you don't think there's enough food on your table. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us the ability to do the superficial oh, okay, the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do that thing that is impossible. And that is to continue loving like Christ loved no matter what. And now I can say Amen. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your spirit. Lord, I don't know where everybody is at today. All I know is that this this world that we live in, although filled with beauty and joy, is also filled with great pain and terror. I also know this. I know that some of the things that we think are beautiful or joyful or happy, they are actually just ways in which we are trying to escape and evade the reality that everything is actually a mess. Sometimes we escape into... Social media and television and entertainment. Sometimes we escape into drugs and alcohol. Sometimes we escape into lust and uh, you know, uh, adultery and pornography. Things of that nature, Lord. Lord, there are a lot of ways that we escape. But you reveal to us that we don't have to escape. That we can be present in the hurt and in the pain. And that your spirit is present with us in the hurt and the pain. So Lord, today, we thank you for your spirit. And I simply pray this. May the words that I have spoken, which I believe are from you. May your spirit take them and use them today to bear fruit. Lord, my prayer is this. Any words that I've said that are not true. That, you're, that they will fall to the ground and they will die. But those which are true, that which is of you, God, will find good soil and bear fruit in our lives. <clears throat> I pray these things in the mighty resurrected name. The name that is above every name. The name, the only name by which anyone can be saved. The name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.